It's Tuesday, October 13th, time for episode 36 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Twitter, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Uh, interesting interesting Tuesday night we got going on, a lot going on, uh, uh, Major League Baseball, um, the NFL is playing tonight, so we'll kind of uh, give you some updates on that in just a moment. Um, well, first, the big news of the week, uh, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers win their 17th uh, NBA title. Um, so they are now tied with Boston for the most championships by franchise. Um, you kind of have to look at the numbers. Um, uh, the Lakers have had more appearances in the finals, um, 32, as compared to that of the Celtics, who have had 21. But the records are a little better, per se. I mean, more appearances, but yet 17 and 15 for the Lakers, 17 and 4 for Boston. So that'll make an interesting storyline for next season if both of these teams find themselves in positions to make championship runs next season. Uh, FYI. If you're a better currently Caesar Sportsbook has the Lakers as plus 325. So they are currently the favorite to win in 2021. Now, now I, I just thought it helped kind of jokingly because, again, I, I feel like this, you know, if you've got 20, I don't know, thousand um, to throw out there to make this big bet. And if the number stays uh, in that range, they will be the favorite. And, and if all things go um, uh, well from a free agency standpoint, from a roster standpoint, um, you they may be looking to break the record next year. Um, I'll kind of talk a little bit about that stuff in just a moment. Um, so the, the final numbers here. So the Lakers win 106-93. They win four games to two. LeBron gets his fourth finals MVP award. Uh, finished that game with 28 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists. Anthony Davis had a double-double. Uh, so LeBron had a triple-double. Anthony, double uh, Anthony Davis uh, had a double-double, 19-15 and 3. Rajon Rondo kicked in 19 points. Um, kind of figured LeBron would win the finals MVP. I mean, um, initially, AD was came out on fire. He was killing it. And I thought, well, maybe AD might be the guy. But, you know... LeBron really ramped up his game, um, you know, not to say that he needed to. I mean, he, his game is always ramped up. And I mean, he ramped up his game in such a way that he wanted to win finals MVP because I think we could all tell that he was not pleased that he did not win league MVP. So, you know, he took a page out of Jordan's book and I took it personally. And there you have it. So fourth finals MVP for LeBron. He was obviously very relieved to um you know, win that kind of in a in some sort of vindication. Um, of course, um, this team dedicated this championship to the late Kobe Bryant. So, I mean, uh, what a way to to end this year uh, honoring their their fallen uh, uh, Laker uh, All Star uh, Hall of Famer and and just you know the, you know just the guy the Black Mamba. So, um, uh, congratulations to the Lakers on that. And now. For me, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching uh, the NBA, but this season was great because of, you know, not great from a COVID standpoint, but great, as I've mentioned on a few episodes, great from the standpoint of the bubble. I thought the bubble play was so good. Um, and I think I said on an episode uh, a while back that they need to adopt 
this format where, you know, if you're so many games out of the last playoff spot, you just need to just go home and let those eight and nine teams that they're close, let them play it out, play their way into the playoffs. And then you start. I just think that works so much, so much better. I had so much fun watching these games. Didn't watch as much of the finals as I wanted to. But again, overall, I was so pleased with the way the NBA did this. Um, a lot of props to Adam Silver because, you know, setting these teams up in bubbles, um, they had uh, zero positive tests. Uh, the WNBA did a fantastic job. And so now, you know, one of the questions that people are asking now is, you know, can the NFL do it? And I just read an article before I started recording about that. I'll kind of talk a little bit more about that in just a moment about possibly using bubbles. Um you know, the idea has been floated around, but, you know, considering all of the positive tests that are coming up with the NFL, it may be something that they may want to consider. But I'll kind of come back to that in just a moment. Now, at the end of the NBA season, now we get free agency. So all the all the drama post NBA begins. So I think I asked this question on Twitter the other day, who's going to. Who's going to be the first uh, who's going to take the first shots in free agency? Like who are going to be the players that are going to, you know, make those moves. They're going to either, you know, if they don't stay with their current team or if they have the ability to look at other teams, who's going to make the big move. That's going to kind of shift that balance uh, in the league. Uh, we all know the NBA draft is in November. So about a month from now, we'll have the NBA draft. So I'll kind of talk to the draft in a little bit, but, just to kind of give you a feel for um, who's available. So um, some of the big name free agents here. So starting with the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis. However, Anthony Davis has an option. So I'm willing to bet you money that I think the Lakers are going to sign his, he's going to sign his option and hang around. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think that's a safe bet. Um, Brandon Ingram from the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, he's a, a unrestricted free agent. Uh, correction, Brandon Ingram, Ingram is a restricted free agent. Uh, um, correction, Fred Van Vliet is an unrestricted free agent. Sergi Baca, unrestricted free agent. Uh, Goran Dragic, he is an unrestricted free agent. However, last word is he's expected to resign with Miami, so that's good news for them. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to really get fully on track in the finals. Um, DeMar DeRozan, uh, he has an option. He's with San Antonio. Montrez Harrell is an unrestricted free agent from the Clippers. And Mike Conley has an option. So again, those are just some of the names of some of the players who are free agents. There are others, uh, other guys who are potentially playing on teams that, you know, may be turning the corner next season a player that could fit into um, a, a pretty good situation. For example, Joe Harris in Brooklyn, um, you know, Joe Harris, you know, really good three point shooter, um, you know, but you know, he's, he's a free agent, so he could stick around, um, you know, playing next year with, uh, with KD and uh, um, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank right this second. Uh, KD and Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, or, you know, he could uh, be looking for another home. So it's just, it, it, again, this is where it all starts to get interesting. 
then you throw in the draft. Then you've got the new guys and you've got the college players coming in. So if you watch college basketball, you know some of these names. Um, you see where these guys are going to go. Um, and, and with this, you know, you the, the NBA draft to me, I feel like in, to, in some respects, in some years, you know who's going to be the top guy. Some years you get some surprises. You know who's going to be the top guy. You probably have a good idea who's going to be second, but then maybe three through nine may may have some shuffling around. Either some teams change their mind. Um, there are some trades that are happened, and then players get pushed to other teams. Um, so right now, um, some of the draft stuff that I've been seeing um, right now, um, the consensus that I've seen right now is Anthony Edwards from Georgia. He's a, a freshman shooting guard. He's kind of been seen as the guy who's going to go first. Um, another um, draft I saw showed LaMelo Ball as going first to Minnesota. Again, <laughs> the, my money's on Anthony Edwards. But again, like I said, this all could change. You know, we've got, you know, a few weeks to go. This all could change in a few weeks. But I have noticed a little bit of a trend here. And most of these uh, mock drafts I've seen, uh, the third and fourth position have been about the same. So in third position to Charlotte, James Wiseman, the center from Memphis, and fourth position from uh, Chicago, for, for Chicago, uh, Obi Toppin from Dayton. And, uh, I mean, I tell you, Obi Toppin in Chicago – um, being coached by Billy Donovan, I think would just be a phenomenal uh, uh, piece to build around uh, for that franchise. But um, just to review the draft, uh, one through 10, Minnesota's picking first, followed by Golden State, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit, the New York Knicks, uh, the Washington Wizards, and then finally the Phoenix Suns. So that's kind of how the draft is going to shake out on on november 18th um some late nba coaching news right now the new orleans pelicans stan van gundy has interviewed and the way it's looking it looks like stan van gundy is emerging as the top candidate in new orleans and because of the way stan van gundy coaches he's such a teacher that they feel like with that young core of players that they have in New Orleans, they feel like Stan Van Gundy could be a really good fit there. So Stan Van Gundy and Ty Lue both um, interviewed. Ty Lue is currently emerging as the front runner in Houston. Um, now, Houston wants to try to make an offer before the Clippers finish their search, because as you know, Ty Lue is an assistant with the Clippers. Um, a lot of folks felt like that he would be the incumbent to take over after Doc Rivers um, was um, <laughs> unceremoniously asked to leave. Um, but again, Ty Lue has a couple options here. He can go to Houston or he can stay with the Clippers. Um, again, I think Stan Van Gundy would be fantastic for New Orleans. Um, as far as the Ty Lue situation, I mean, you know, with the Clippers, there's familiarity. You know, he knows the players. Um, that may be the best move. But again, like I said, it all depends upon, you know, well, we all know that a lot of it is going to depend upon fit for the coach and the players. And of course, then there's the money that comes in. So, I mean, a lot of pieces could go there, but um, hope, hopefully we'll hear something on the NBA uh, relatively soon as far as these uh, coaching changes here. 
Um, let's talk about baseball here. So currently with baseball, I can find my baseball notes here. Um, currently top of the sixth with one out. The Braves lead the Dodgers six to nothing. The Braves lead the ALCS one game to nothing. Well, this is uh, taking an interesting turn. Both teams have a lot of offense. I was thinking Dodgers personally, although in my in the back of my mind and my heart, I'm going, man, the Braves, they really have been when I watched them play this season for a few you know, a few games I watched them play this season they were hitting the cover off the ball. I mean you throw it up there the Braves will knock it out of the park. And um it's kind of reminiscent of the Braves of the 90s. Um they've got guys that you know hit well, really good fielding team. Um honestly I'm still gonna stick with the Dodgers but I mean right now it's looking like the Braves unless the Dodgers miraculously can score eight or nine runs in the next, what, uh, two and a half innings here. Um, looks like the Braves are going to wash the Dodgers tonight and go up 2-0. Um, meanwhile, Tampa Bay leads Houston two games to none. So this is kind of a little bit of a um, odd um, bit of uh, poetic justice, if you will. Um, we all remember Houston and how, you know, their, their treachery in Major League Baseball. And again, I've spent a whole episode talking about this, the the what I call the integrity problem in baseball. And essentially, um, them getting to this point, getting to the LCS was a bit of an interesting turn because with baseball, what happens is you usually have a team that one team that usually gets hot at the right time. And if they stay hot, they probably end up winning the whole damn thing. Baseball's funny like that. Usually in baseball, the best team does not win the World Series in a lot of cases. Right now, it looks like of the four teams, you know, you've got, I would say, three of the four best teams in baseball right now. I do not put the Houston Astros in there because, again, I think they got hot at the right time. Right now, with Tampa Bay leading them two games to none, they're going to play again starting about uh, their first pitch is about eight minutes from now. If they win tonight, it's it's a wrap. I mean, they may get one in possibly, but it's Tampa Bay series to lose if they win tonight. If they go up three nothing, it's it's a wash because three nothing in a seven game series, as you all know, no matter what sport you're playing, that's hard to come back from. So um, we'll see how that goes. So first pitch is at eight forty in San Diego, but as I mentioned, the Braves are washing the Dodgers right now. So we'll just kind of keep our eye on that score. And uh, if I get a final before I finish recording, I'll uh, relay that to you. Um, also in baseball, uh, baseball lost another Hall of Famer uh, uh, this past week uh, with the passing of Joe Morgan. He was 77. Um, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1990. He was a second baseman. He was a member of the, the Cincinnati Reds and the Big Red Machine. Um Joe Morgan played 22 years in Major League Baseball. He started his career with the then Houston Colt 45s. I know. <laughs> I mean, if you can remember, I don't remember. I just know this because I'm a, you know, sort of a baseball head. I was a big baseball head as a kid and remember a lot of my history. But, you know, the Astros, their original name were the Colt 45. So he started with the Colt 45s. Um, he spent, I believe, eight years in Cincinnati. Um, in that time, he played with Pete Rose, Tony Perez. Their manager was Sparky Anderson, and they won two World Series championships in 1975 and 1976. 
Um, Morgan's first year with the team in 1972, they were the runners up. Um, I believe they lost to the Oakland A's that year. Um, in those championship years, 75 and 76, Joe Morgan was the National League Most Valuable Player. He was a 10-time All-Star and a five-time winner of the Golden Glove Award. Okay, so after he left Cincinnati, he spent time with San Francisco, Oakland and Philadelphia before ending his career. Um, And then he went on to become a broadcaster. He was with ESPN uh, as a baseball analyst for 20 years, Um, you know, watching a baseball game um, uh, being analyzed by Joe Morgan was really fantastic. He really just had to me, he really just had a knack for describing the game in such a way that it just made it seem simple. I mean, baseball is a simple game, but it's a hard game. In other words, the strategy in baseball is, you know, if you play the game, like at a competitive level, you understand the strategy at that level, their strategy. You know, if you just casually watch baseball, you think, oh, you hit the ball and do, no, their strategy. There's things you do in order to, like any other sport, there are things you do in order to gain that advantage or to kind of do things to try to, you know, get back into the game, prolong the game, what have you. And he had a way of explaining the game in such a way that it made you understand, okay, the reason this team is doing this, or hmm, why would you change this pitcher for that pitcher in this situation? He would, you know, he would explain situational baseball in a very uh, great and very nice way. And I really appreciate that, you know, being someone who, um, <clears throat> who, you know, watched baseball for a lot of years. And now I'm kind of more of a casual baseball watcher. But nevertheless, um, you know, he will be uh, missed by family, friends, former teammates, and, of course, a great loss to the uh, the Cincinnati Reds organization where I believe after he left ESPN, he went back to the organization as a, uh, as a special advisor to, uh, to the, uh, the team administration. So uh, rest in peace to Joel Morgan, uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer and amongst, uh, you know, most will tell you I never wa- saw him play personally, but most who saw him play will tell you that he was probably the best second baseman uh, in the history of the game. So rest in peace to Joel Morgan. All right. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some college football. So uh, some games for the week and kind of another coach kind of gets a little ahead of himself and now they're kind of in a little bit of an issue. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back. So currently uh, Tuesday night NFL, currently the Titans lead the Buffalo Bills 21 to 10 at the half. Josh Allen is 10 for 21, 124, a touchdown and interception. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, 13 to 18, 135, one touchdown. Uh, he has rushed for a touchdown, and Derrick Henry has also rushed for a touchdown in this game. So this is at the half, 21 to 10 Buffalo Bills. I'm sorry, uh, Tennessee Titans, rather. Um, college football. So for week seven, um, just when I thought the the games, at least the matchups, were getting better, there are a lot of SEC games, but it's kind of that in-between week where we have a lot of SEC, SEC teams that are ranked, but they're not playing each other. So I've only picked up about four, possible five games. I'll get to that possible fifth game in a minute. So four games of note, Georgia goes to Alabama. So that will be, as always, a good game. Georgia and Alabama, both two ranked teams. I believe that is going to be an 8 o'clock game on CBS 
on Saturday night because, again, you know, when two teams in the SEC collide, CBS is going to go all out to make sure they give it to you in prime time. They're going to be competing uh, with a lot of the SEC games, ACC games that are going on on ESPN. Um, Boston College goes to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. Uh, Texas A&M goes to Stark Vegas to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs and Old Miss heads to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, that fifth game I mentioned, LSU. So the defending national champions were supposed to visit or are currently still scheduled to visit uh, Gainesville and uh, the play the uh, Florida Gators in the Swamp. Um, at the end of the last game, so uh, Florida coach Dan Mullen, uh, in speaking about the upcoming matchup with the uh, LSU Tigers, he said that he wanted 90,000 people in the swamp. <sighs> where do we start? Where do, I mean, already, where do we start with this? So he said it in his postgame press conference after the, I believe they played Texas A&M last week. Okay, fine. He was pressed on it again during his weekly press conference, and he basically said that, oh, yeah, I, I you know, I want 9,000 people in the swamp. And then they asked him, you sure about that? And he doubled down on a statement. So a few things wrong with this. So, again, here's another example of a college football coach that has kind of, you know, not taking into account the current situations. Like, dude, read the room, okay? In case you forgot, there is a virus that is just slamming this country like nobody's business. And we understand that it's Florida, that you're living in Florida and your governor really doesn't give a rat's ass about anyone's life and just let them do what the hell they want to do. But the athletic director and the president of the University of Florida have had the good sense to basically say that they want personnel, all people on campus to wear masks, to socially distance, that they've reduced the capacity of the stadium. I mean, they have fans, but it's not going to be the full crazy party that it normally is in the swamp. Now, now, you know, when you watch, you know, I've never been to a game in the swamp, but you watch it on TV and 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 somehow CBS gets these really good camera angles of uh, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. And it looks like if you get the right camera angle, it looks like this. People are just at this weird. I mean, you just see sheets of people. I, that's the only way I can describe it. It's like sheets. And of course, they're on top of you and it's super, super loud. And of course, you know, having a home field advantage is everything in any sport. Home field advantage is everything, but having that kind of noise on top of you, forget it. Now, here's where it gets weird or kind of oddly, eerily strange. So uh, over the last, uh, I think uh, I think I read this earlier before I came on, that Florida has suspended football operations. There has been increased numbers of cases of COVID amongst the team. So then I have to just face palm and go, really? <laughs> like, like, okay, I, I, look, let me, let me say two things. Number one, Dan Mullen, I, I like him as a coach. He's a good coach. He seems like he's a pretty, you know, down to earth guy. You know, I, he's like any other coach. He, he's competitive. He wants to have the home crowd there when the national champions come in. I get it. Nothing. This is no slight against him. It's no slight against the, the Florida football program. My whole thing is this. You have to be safe. Like I said, you have to do the things that keep the players safe. 
I mean, you hear coach after coach after coach after coach talk about the things that they're doing to keep the numbers down. We're seeing some outbreaks here and there, some games that got canceled, but many of these teams are taking pride in, okay, we're going to practice and we're going to, you know, keep ourselves isolated because, you know, I've reported on this podcast on cases of, you know, players go back to campus they go to practice and then 10 of them like, hey, let's go to this party. You know, they're going to a they're going to a party. They're getting it in. And then they come back three days later. 20 of them got covid and they got to shut everything down. You have teams that they're holding players. You know, they've got captains. They're holding players accountable. They're holding each other accountable. They're doing the right things. And the reward is they get to play football now. That's not to say that's without risk because some teams have done the right things because I think I made light of this um, a few weeks ago on an episode where, you know, prior to the season started, you know, Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly said, well, we're doing the right things. We deserve to play. I get it. You're doing the right things and that's great. But doing the right things does not necessarily mean you're going to get off this thing scot-free. You'll be good for a while and you, or let's just say you hope to be scot-free, but that's the thing about this virus. And I said this, it's not like you've got this obvious sign that, oh, I got COVID. You don't know. You don't know until you know. Either if it's outward or you get diagnosed, you don't know. So, you know, for this to happen, it's unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. I'm reporting this because I just find this highly ironic. And I think it's terrible. Um, You know, I hope that they're able to play their game on Saturday. The game is still on schedule. Um, they have, you know, reached out to um, they've reached out to LSU. Obviously, they've reached out to, to Texas A&M, who they previously played, just to let them know, OK, look, we've had some positives so they can do their due diligence. But, you know, you, you, you know, this 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 is the risk that I kind of talked about, been talking about, you know, when we talked about, okay, so now the conferences are going to change what they're going to do. So the big 12 went forward, the ACC went forward, the SEC delayed it a little bit. Then there was all the rancor amongst the big 10 schools. Now the big 10 schools will be playing, I believe, if not next week, the week, uh, I believe the following week, I think big 12, big 10 rather will start next week. The PAC 12 is not going to start till November, but all of this, to play and again you can still do all the right things but this is a contact sport you are in close proximity you know you have to change a lot of your a lot of what you do to kind of err on the side of caution in this so you you lose something so you know all the things you're used to doing in preseason all the fundamentals you work on Those probably don't get the attention because you kind of have to think, okay, I don't if I do too much contact then I'm going to have a bunch of sick guys. We don't play a lot of our games. So you kind of have to make the balance, make make the choices, the difficult choices where you have to to kind of keep your team healthy. But then once you make it through that point, you get into, you know, the 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 seat, the part of the camp that leads up to the season. Now you're you're installing your offense, you're installing your defense, you're doing all that stuff. You're working on this stuff every day. Then you're feeling a little more relieved that the contact is not as intense, but there's still a risk. Even if you're together, once you leave that area, that bubble, or once you leave containment, once you break containment, all bets are off because now you have to associate yourself. If you're if you're in, in a, a university where 
you're having face-to-face classes. You have to now break containment. So you're hoping that people and, and more likely in these places, people are socially distancing. The you know, students are socially distancing that people are wearing masks. They're doing the right things. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're not going out if they're sick. They're doing all the right things. So again, even when you're doing the right things, it does not always add up to you getting to the point you need to get to. And this happened to a lot of teams. But I hope it is my sincere hope that it's, it's now Tuesday. So the game's Saturday. So it's my sincere hope that they have enough players. So first of all, you you wish the best for the players who, who, who tested positive, that you hope they're OK, that they get, you know, they get treated, they're isolated, they're okay. The players who are remaining, you hope that, you know, they're okay, they're going to continue to be negative, and you have potentially enough players to play the game. If you don't, it's fine. You can play another time. That, that game can always be played again, but the bottom line is you want to ensure that the players are safe, and, and, that, and that's kind of the bottom line out of all this conversation, but I kind of, when I read the story and then saw that headline pop up, I'm, I just thought back to episode 23 when I talked about Mike Gundy. So in the middle of all of this, you know, at the kind of the early stages of this. So this is back in, I forget when I recorded that episode, but, you know, he basically had a press conference, a Zoom press conference. So that should tell you everything you need to know. And he basically boldly stated that, oh, on this particular day, it was either a May or a June day, whatever. I'm going back to the football complex and we're going to, you know, start getting ready for the season and oh well you know we'll we'll test and we'll you know we'll make sure that you know people get the help they need and oh if someone is you know a, a certain risk group we'll, we'll put them somewhere else and we'll have them tested he was making all these grand proclamations about what it's going to happen and i said it then and i'll kind of say it now it's like you do know you have a boss right <laughs> you know you have an athletic director who kind of has to who's kind of your boss you have and not a like director for your program who tells you what you need to be doing. So same thing with Dan Mullen. OK, hey, we want nine thousand people in the swamp. So at that point, the athletic director for football should have been like, um, coach, um, might want to might want to tamp those expectations down just a little bit, because, you know, although you know things are working a little differently in Florida, um, we kind of need you to just kind of err on the side of we want people to be safe or as i said earlier read the room there is a virus going around we want as many people as we safely can put into the stadium to be there to root for us against lsu that would have been the safer statement because that statement although again i say from what i you know see from dan mullen um you know he did this really um in that game they showed a clip of him with his headphones he put his headphones on and his face mask was attached to his headphones. I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> that was really cool. But, you know, he doesn't, from what I can tell, he doesn't take this, uh, he's not taking this lightly. I just think in the heat of just being passionate about this game, this opportunity for this team, which is a very good team, by the way, um, he just got a little excited. And now this happens. So it, it, it kind of hopefully will give him, a, a moment of pause to kind of think, okay, you know, we don't want this to go bad for the players, but it sh- should kind of get them to thinking about, all right, well, you know, this is happening and it kind of puts you back into the, here's the reality that we're in right now. And we've got to 
maneuver in that reality until time tells us that we don't have to anymore. That, you know, considering how things are going to go, we might be in this for a while. I mean, we're going to be in this for a lot longer than I think many of us plan to be. But, you know, but if we ever get to a point where we can kind of get our hands around the transmission and, you know, kind of slow it down some, maybe at that time we'll have a vaccine. I don't know. Or maybe at that time we can get it controlled to the point to where maybe, you know, we see the numbers kind of kind of even out, level out in the population to where it's not an epidemic problem within this country. But only time will tell. And that will take um, um, some doing. But I I think if you're thinking about this practically, I think, you know, what has to happen, that things have to happen, not just at your local level, not just your state level, but things have to happen at the federal level for this to occur. So I think that's kind of where we are. But again, LSU and Florida still in the schedule uh, in Gainesville, but we hope that first and foremost, the players are doing well. And then if they're well enough to proceed, then the game will proceed. If not, then the SEC will do what is necessary to protect the players from both sides uh, of this of this contest. So that kind of leads me to the NFL, because I mentioned uh, the idea of a bubble has been floated in the NFL for a little bit. And it's interesting because um, the chief medical officer for the uh, NFL is against uh, using a bubble. And uh, again, he, uh, Dr. Alan Sills is his name. He said that number one, it's not going to be foolproof. Well, duh. Um, I just finished talking about that. (laughs) Number two, he talks about the mental health risks of extended social isolation. Well, again, what he's ex- what he's expressing is what most people are going through right now. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I've been in my house. I've been a monk for like the last several months. I mean, I've been out here and there. But, you know, it's just when you're looking at kind of how these outbreaks are happening and the way that they're disrupting the schedule, you know, it, it's it's right now. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time before this could get out of hand in the, in the NFL, because, you know, most people I talk to or other podcasts I've listened to, they've expressed the idea that the NFL is not finished the season. And to some degree, I would concur with that, because right now this is the kind of the, the low end of things. I mean, as we progress into colder months, because, again, they're not going to play Super Bowl until what, probably February, I believe. So. Um, uh, Sean Payton, who is on the uh, competition committee, he's supporting a playoff bubble. Troy Vincent, he's the uh, executive vice president of the league's football operations. Um, he's doesn't have an opinion because of his position, but he said that it's something that the league is still talking about. And I understand the reservations of Dr. Sills. I totally understand. It's not anything that any of us haven't dealt with, whether it's the social isolation or whether the idea of it being foolproof. I mean, um, the NBA did a fantastic job. WNBA did a fantastic job. All the other leagues that did it did a great job. MLS, so on and so forth. One of the things that he pointed out was that with football, there's so many personnel that are associated with a game that there's so many comings and goings that you 
run the risk of, you know, people coming in who aren't isolated. And I get that. But, you know, try to limit that, you know, OK, if you're going to let's say you make it long enough, you can possibly do a playoff bubble, which, again, I, I'm skeptical, then make it do like the NBA, make everybody stay there. The referees, the, you know, the broadcasters, everybody's got to stay there. You got to get tested regularly and you go forth and play that and, and no fans. Again, you know, that's just, that's just, you know, if, if you really want this to work, um, my whole thing is, um, again, will we truly get a full season out of this? And that is the question that I think many people are, kind of not feeling too confident about but again we shall see um the saints are also kind of looking to um you know have some of their games um move to tiger stadium in baton rouge because of the attendance policy issue that um the city of new orleans is i believe in phase three uh opening and Essentially, they are, are, are going with a, a, a reduced capacity in the stadium. So they want to go to Tiger Stadium, which holds 102,000 fans. And with that, they would go to, I forget the number, uh, they would go to, well, LSU has been playing at 25% capacity with their fans. So my assumption would be that the Saints would, play at Tiger Stadium with the same capacity. Um, again, uh, another big issue here, because again, you're still looking at issues of trying to keep the COVID uh, virus transmission to as much of a minimum as possible. So a lot of things are going on with the NFL uh, across the league, as you see this issue with um, the New Orleans Saints. But as we move forward into the season, so Will we get a full season? That would probably be my poll question. What do you think? Um, and then what does the NFL do? Does the NFL get to a point to where potentially if they had to cancel, if it got that bad and they were forced to cancel, when did they finish the season? How did they finish the season? Do they pull out the bubble idea? Because, you know, there are two ways to look at this. Some people say NFL is not going to cancel because the owners are too greedy. I'll throw another, I'll throw another um, angle at this. The fans will be, the fans will hate it. And they'll hate it because they'll put the political spin on it. That's pretty much what they're going to do. Because let's think about this. These are the same fans who, A, don't like Kaepernick, a good number of them. These are the same fans who... At the you know first game of the season uh, in Kansas City, you know the players walked out into the field arm in arm and got booed. So that tells you a lot about the fan base of the NFL. So if COVID shuts this thing down, many of these fans will make this a political statement, or they'll try to make a political statement out of it. So take from that what you will. I'm not going to go into any examples, but if you've been reading the news lately. You've been seeing what's going on. You kind of know where to go with this. Okay. So that's it for me. I appreciate you listening. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I T S U N C L E underscore D U B. Um, so as I mentioned, only got uh four 
four, potentially five college games. I'll try to pick those later on in the week. Uh, follow up with uh, anything that's going on from college football, uh, baseball, and follow up with some new stuff from the NBA. If we have any new NBA coaching news, I will try to bring that to you. Until that time, thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening.